everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. They'll challenge me, Gen Z, as the executive director, you know, the one who's responsible for all of camp. They will challenge me the same way they would challenge a peer. And that can be uncomfortable if you're not ready for it. And it seems like they're being, you know, insubordinate, but that's not what it is. They're advocating, they feel passionately, and they're doing what they know to do, which is to go straight to the source and say something needs to change. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think. Because we know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And this year, we're talking with our guests about three important topics in our entrepreneurial journey, like team building, life balance, and how to recover from tragedy, both in business and in life. But up first is team building, because we know that as business owners, we're only as strong as our weakest link. We'll be talking about how to build, motivate, and empower your team. Today, we're learning from Ryan Eves, Executive Director of YMCA Camp Canada. Camp Canada is an overnight and day camp in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And yes, it has the lake and the log cabins that you're imagining. Camp Canada's mission is to help children become competent and competent leaders and they have a one to five counselor to camper ratio. So how do you build and manage such a large workforce made up primarily of Gen Zers to achieve that important mission? Well, we're hoping to find out. Well, hi, Ryan. Thanks for being here. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Yes, I know. I, t- I was telling you earlier, I told my kids that you were, we were interviewing you and it was like a little mini celebrity. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's because our, our kids go to Camp, Camp Canada. And I do have to say that. Like we, I think we started in 2018 was the first year we sent them. And you sent them the year before to day yeah, camp. Day I don't camp. know what day. Yeah, and then we did overnight camp, and it is like, it is like the magic of summer is mm-hmm. waiting to get to camp for that week, and it's just, and they come back, they're hoarse, they like they lo- lose their voice, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's tears, they're leaving. Mm-hmm. It's such a magical place. Yep, I grew up at camp, so mm-hmm. I firsthand experienced that as a kid, not wanting to leave and like being a little nervous going into it, and mm-hmm. then you know, begging my parents to either send me for another week or for three weeks the next summer and yeah. being sad and telling them, please be the last parents to come pick me up because <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to waste a single moment here. So I Were you that. at Camp Canada or did you go I was to- at Camp Canada. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh well, born, that's super fun. Born in Raleigh and um, grew up at camp and uh, spent 15 total summers there before taking a break and coming back in 2019 in mm-hmm. the executive director role. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you grew up at camp. Mm-hmm. Did you always say that's what you wanted to do or kind of what brought you into this path? So the first week I ever went to camp, it was, I had never been to overnight camp before. I went with my best friend and never went back with him because I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point, you know, I, I spent four years as a camper. Some point in those four summers, I said, I want to be a counselor. I want to go through the staff trainee program. Mm-hmm. Uh, which at Kanata is a two-year program. And then, you know, as a kid, I always said, like, well, I want to be director one day. 
just like you say, like, I want to be a comic book artist mm-hmm. or I want to be a fireman or, you know, any of those things. But right. for me, that actually happened because mm-hmm. um, after college, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I worked at camp for about a year and realized, oh, like, year-round camp is actually pretty cool. Like, mm. the work that we get to do, not just being a counselor, being, you know, on leadership for the summer, the year-round work is pretty amazing. And the organization that we're a part of, the Y, is also pretty amazing. Yeah. And so I just sort of fell into it and have never left. Well, we really want to talk today and really talk about um, employing the younger generation. And mm-hmm. we've, you know, mentioned that we teach at Meredith, and so we get to be around the Gen Zers, and there's just so much negative connotation about these people coming coming up in the workforce. So we'd really love to hear about how you kind of navigate your employees, because that's all you employ, basically, is this younger mm-hmm. generation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's funny, because when I started as a professional, the same thing was being said about mm-hmm. the millennials, mm-hmm. and I was one of them. And so I was a new professional sitting in these conferences and these classes around, you know, how do you talk to millennials? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to me. It, we're not as scary or as, yeah. like, uh dangerous or um, defective Mm -hmm. as we were sort of made out to be. And I think the same thing is true for Gen Z. Um, You know, I'm, I have to say I'm biased because these are kids oftentimes at Kanata that have grown up with us. And so Mm -hmm. I've literally watched them grow up from being, you know, a 10 year old to a 16 year old who's going through our trainee program. And so I think Gen Z, if that's what we want to call them, I think every article I read labels them something differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and what they call themselves is maybe something else um, that will happen down the line. But I think watching them grow up, living with them quite literally for you know 10 weeks out of a summer gives me a different perspective mm-hmm. on their unique gifts, their unique talents, um, and the pressure, pressures that they mm-hmm. are feeling. Because I think when I read articles about how to relate to Gen Z, a lot of what I think is missing is the conversation around, well, what is their life like? Mm -hmm. What is different for them that was different Mm -hmm. than other generations? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, at Kanata, we, I think one of the really, um, the great benefits that we have and why we've weathered, I think, the staffing storm differently than other organizations is we have a two-year staff trainee program. And so when you quote unquote, age out of camp at the age of 15, the next thing is to apply to be a camper in leadership training or a SILT. Mm -hmm. And then the year after that, if you want to come back and if, you know, everything lines up, sometimes athletics get in the way, you can come back as a counselor in training. And those two years are really about helping them shift from everything is about me Mm -hmm. to because I'm a camper and camp is for the campers Mm -hmm. to what does it mean to give back? What does it mean to be a servant leader? It's you're talking about your daughter in mm-hmm. basketball. It's not too dissimilar from shifting the focus to I'm having fun in this moment to I need to be more thoughtful about mm-hmm. what brought me here, what brought these kids here, and then what happens now and in the future and what impact do my decisions have on what happens next mm-hmm. in the next day, the next week, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think there's so much that they have to give chiefly their passion, Mm. like they are passionate. If they decide to devote themselves to something, there's nothing else um, for that period of time, Mm. which I think is there for camp. That's the most important thing that we want to see is that 
they're interested in being there for the kids, for the experience that we're trying to create. And y'all know this at camp, we have a motto, be well and do good. Mm -hmm. And if that's how they're living out and through that passion, then that's what we're looking for. And that's what we get uh, out of these kids. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to push Mason because he's 14 this year. So he'll have, he's finally in like the lower, Lower what is the lower lake? lake. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm like, they're going to be lower lake. It's going to be lower lake here. He's like, okay, fine. I'm like, counselor and training, that'd be like an amazing thing for you. He's got a huge amount of empathy. Yes, he's very soft-hearted. Yeah, yeah super soft-hearted yeah. person, but he lives like his mother, so 10 weeks away would be difficult. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I love that. I, I think that I think that's necessary. I think that's necessary, like right now. Like I think when you're talking about that generation, I think to me when I think about it, mentorship is more important than ever because I think in a lot of ways in the world we live in, we've like lost perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think more so in that generation, like they've lost perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I feel bad. Like I I literally feel grief over like the world that our kids are growing up in as opposed to the world that I grew up in. And, you know, not that there weren't, like, the one-off things, but, like, the information wasn't as prolific. You could shut it off. Like, there was a bully at school. You left school and you left him there, you know? Like, there's just no shut-off, and there's so much information that I do think that – I think that kind of builds that tunnel vision for them. You know what I mean? I think that's why they have that Mm -hmm. hyper-focus. Because they do get focused on something, you know, because there's so many things coming at them all the time. I think – what I've noticed is that their perspective is fragmented. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're getting so many different viewpoints and the way that our phones and their phones give them information is they're they're inundated with so many different viewpoints that it's hard to know kind of what is my viewpoint because it shifts and changes based on what what's happening mm-hmm. in current events or what their friend group is talking about or, you know, what their, you know, for you page on TikTok is serving them in that yeah. given moment, you know. And I think that's one of the benefits of working at camp is devices aren't a part of our day to day. And so you get to and I think that's why kids want to come to camp, both as campers when they get older and as staff, is to recognize you know, they're better at putting down their phones and leaving them in their cabin than I am because mm-hmm. I'm professional and I'm expected to be <laughs> accessible you know, all yeah. the time. But they don't have to do that. And so they get to, for the time being, really turn their attention to the job at hand. And that's, again, when I say their passion is they're dedicated to camp in a way that, you know, most employers would be over the moon mm-hmm. to have because they are working long hours. They are Sweaty. doing... Sweaty hours. <laughs> Doing a hard job, yeah. um, a really rewarding job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're saying yes to something that isn't um, isn't on its surface designed to create future success. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that we actually do create that. And, you know, that's – we talked about critical thinking earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the main things you get as a camp counselor and as a staff member is – a master's degree, <laughs> um, depending on how many summers you work in thinking critically about mm-hmm. your place in the world and how you relate to others and what that means. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this generation is really special. They push me and the rest of our full-time team to um, think deeply about equity. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, something that is forefront of their minds, how everyone um, is treated and how they are welcomed and included based on all the different ways that 
they've been made to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, that doesn't lead to easy conversations at all, um, but it leads to meaningful conversations. I think the one challenge with that sometimes is they want to move a lot faster mm-hmm. than we can, mm-hmm. um, given you know we're a part of a larger organization where you know an organization's been around since 1954. It takes time to move those mm-hmm. kinds of uh, organizations, but you know they're their eagerness to see something better mm-hmm. is is really energizing and affirming because it it helps to say you know we're going in the right direction this is the next generation of leaders it's not you know sometimes it's at odds with the parents we're serving you know mm-hmm. depending on on where we are or what kinds of changes we want to make and sometimes it's at odds with our alumni who remember camp as a certain way and mm-hmm. Now we're going to change that, and what does that mean for their memories? But, you know, the way they push us and the way that they help us to imagine a new future I think is really mm-hmm. important. Um, yeah. And another thing that I'm grateful for for them. Yeah, that's really – I I mean, I feel like that's like so much hope giving. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just don't always feel that way necessarily, but I do agree. I think that there is something about – you said the word equity, and I feel like that is like on the forefront of so many people's just even the way that they speak, the way they talk about other people and um, try to be inclusive and whatnot. And I remember even my kids, like at school, I think it was last year, the, I think it was like the first week of school, they had a whole qu- conversation about pronouns. Like just they just wanted to be sure that they were being respectful to everybody's needs and wants and to recognize and to see them to to be seen. And I think that is what is so, so special about camp is you pick up your kid and yes, they're happy. Yes, they had a great time, but they feel genuinely seen. Mm -hmm. And when you get that report of who your kid is, you're like, oh my God, this is spot on. Like there, it's not like fluffy words because they actually took the time to get to know your kid and understand who they are. And I find that to be so amazing from a generation of of people that you hear that are so self-centered. Right. Yeah. And Why, so con- just um, concerned about their appearance and how they look, and it's all all seem very superficial. And it's like, well, that's just not what I see necessarily. Well, I I I mean, concerning that topic, I think that people, I think that this generation in particular is going to be really against that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they do crave more authenticity. Mm-hmm. But I remember it wasn't last year, but it was the year before we registered Nora as Nora for camp and blah blah blah. And that summer, she told everyone that her name was Regan which is her middle name, and all of the information I got from camp and documents were, Regan's having an amazing time, and Regan is the life of the cabin. And it was just so funny, like, and it made me realize how, one, I love the autonomy they have at camp. I like, I think it's good for kids to be separate from their parents and to have an identity that's separate from their parents. Also, how readily that was embraced at camp. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is Regan, you know, and she's clearly Nora at home. Uh, but... <laughs> I just loved that. I, I loved like how they went with that and there was no questions mm-hmm. and she really enjoyed it. She got to express herself in a way that she wanted to express herself during that week at camp. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I think that they, I think that this generation is looking more for authenticity and I think that that kind of speaks to that for sure. Yeah. So speaking of that, like what are some, if talk about employers, like what are some things that you feel like they're trying to, because that, that is the next workforce, right? And that mm-hmm. these people are graduating school and so you have these entry-level jobs, whatever, what are some things that you would say that'd be helpful to kind of connect with them and yeah. employ them? So I think one, helping them see the bigger picture that they're a part of. Mm-hmm. 
So at camp, that's easy because we can show them videos and photos and tell them stories that of things that happened, you know, just last summer. Mm -hmm. And so it, it can be a little easier for us, but I think every organization has a big picture that they can connect these young folks to, to Gen Z. I think also challenging the narratives that we've created about Gen Z and like being willing to say, I've heard all these things and the majority of them are negative. I mean, if you read newspaper articles and blogs and, you know, whatever that is, um, it does skew negative. It's not about the assets they're bringing. It's about, you know, the challenges that they face. And that is a way to look at it. But I'd rather come from like an asset, asset based mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. mentality around, you know, so how are you going to engage them in the broader purpose that you're going for? And that broader purpose for some Gen Zers probably is going to be, I want to make a whole bunch of money. Right. I think that's a lot of like social media, like mm -hmm. engagement yeah. is they're hoping to be that next influencer that, right. you know, hits, you know, billion streams on TikTok or whatnot. But the reality is that's not going to be true for most people. Mm -hmm. So what if, if their goal is to make a bunch of money, then how do you connect them to how they can do that and how they can yeah. contribute? If they're motivated by more intrinsic values, you know, what are their values? You got to take time to actually get to know them. And I think that's the other thing is we can't treat Gen Z as a monolith mm -hmm. of like everybody is like this because every single one of my staff members is an individual that is motivated by different things. And it does, it, it unfortunately takes a lot of time. Well, I think it's fortunate, but <laughs> for somebody who's mm -hmm. looking to like, you know, move things really quickly, you can't do that with them. Mm -hmm. You have to get to know them. The interview process has to be enough to say, I get who this person is yeah. and what they value. If we don't know what they value, then we're going to stick them in a role that they just don't care. And the thing is, they'll move on quickly. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that we've noticed is they will say no just as fast as they say yes and they'll move on to something and they won't be worried about it because... I think their loyalty is to their value and not yeah. to an organization. Oh, I, and the closer the organization is aligned mm -hmm. with their values, the more likely you're going to have loyalty yeah. from them. But even at camp, you know, as loyal as kids are, they'll come back and visit. But if they're next goal is not aligned with where camp is. And sometimes, you know, that's by necessity, we can't do electrical engineering at camp. <laughs> I've got a staff member who's um, going to be traveling abroad to China next summer. Um, we can't do that. Right. <laughs> um, we're in Wake Forest. And so that that sort of, you know, that that's a hard thing to work around. But supporting them and, you know, we at the end of every campfire, and you may have heard this, mm -hmm. you know, I end every campfire with you will always belong at mm -hmm. camp. You don't have to always be here. You don't have being present is not belonging, at least at camp. And so, you know, go do build new things, go do new things, challenge yourself, and you'll always have a place back here. Mm -hmm. And I think the more organizations can realize you're not, I think the term human capital has really kind of like gone away. I think we've realized that that's not treating our employees and our staff as they're not disposable. Mm -hmm. And the more we can see our staff as and our employees as partners with us that yes, they might leave, but what are they going to go do that some way helps what we're going to do? Mm -hmm. It's easier to say that in the nonprofit world and in a cost-driven organization. Right. But I think like, connecting them 
to what matters to them and how that can serve them during the time that you need them to be a part of your organization. And then recognizing that they're also going to advocate for themselves more than I know more than I did. Um, when I was growing up, it was, you know, this is your salary. These are the benefits. This is what you're going to do. And it was like, I said yes to this. That's great. My staff now, if they believe something's not right or if they believe they should be paid more, they're going to advocate. Mm -hmm. And that's different. And mm -hmm. that's hard for especially, I think, folks who are older than me. You know, I identify as kind of that mixture of Gen X and millennial mm -hmm. right in the we middle there. Same. Mm -hmm. um, they call us Xennials. Xennials yes. um, or uh, geriatric millennials, <laughs> I heard one song, which I did not appreciate. Yeah, um, <laughs> But I identify as that too. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think people from generations past that, for young people to advocate for themselves in that way is seen as ungrateful mm -hmm. or as um, just oppositional mm -hmm. when really it's just they're doing what they feel like is best for themselves and they're they're leaning into skills that they've been taught in other ways and advocating not for them. They advocate for themselves. They advocate for others. Advocacy is a huge thing. I mean, my staff are constantly advocating for the campers mm -hmm. that they serve. And even if it's one camper in their cabin and one little thing or one big thing that we could change, they're not going to let that go until something happens. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think getting comfortable with the fact that they are not my experience with them has been they're not as beholden to hierarchical structures or like power dynamics. Like they'll challenge me as mm -hmm. the executive director, you know, the one who's responsible for all of camp. They will challenge me the same way they would challenge a peer. And that can be uncomfortable mm -hmm. if you're not ready for it. And yeah. it seems like they're being, you know, insubordinate, but that's not what it is. They're advocating, they feel passionately. And they're doing what they know to do, which is to go straight to the source and say something needs to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're a little fearless in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. We experience this we, often. We do. And you're like, what? Did they just ask me that question? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we literally just got an email this we weekend, <laughs> like with this exact same thing. Like, I yeah. feel like blah, 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 blah. We haven't responded to it yet. But we will. Mm -hmm. But it, we've totally noticed that. Like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is a little like, I remember the first time that happened, it was years and years ago, but it was kind of like, whoa, whoa, they just walk in my office and ask me for more money, like on a random Wednesday? Like, <laughs> this isn't the end of the year. Like, why are we talking about this now? You know, and and I think that, I think they're reasonable though. And I think that just because they're advocating doesn't necessarily mean the answer is yes, but what they do want is a strong reason as to why the answer is no. Like they're not yes. just going to take the because I said so. Right. You're going to have right. to be a little more transparent about like, mm -hmm. this is why we do things the way that we do things. And we've noticed more often than not, they're like, oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like that's fine. And I'll fall in line with your structure. You or, know? or it's very much like, you know what? We had the same vision. You're just about six months ahead of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, this is what we need to ha see happen, um, whether that's in the business or whether that's you personally and your performance. Like this is why you haven't hit that mark yet. And, mm -hmm. you know, let's table this conversation, you know, for six months. But that's where we want you to be. Like mm -hmm. we are on the same path with that. Because I think, and that was so funny because we had a, this was a kind of follow-up of a meeting we had and in the meeting they're like, we just want some hope. Like, can we just have hope that this mm. is going to change next year? Like, yeah, we can give you some hope. But yeah, totally, you know, but that was very much. That's the one thing that I love about this generation is their ability to, you're not having to read their mind because they speak it. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but also they don't take themselves too seriously. So you can have like real conversations and it's enjoyable to manage them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a constant power struggle, but you can have these open conversations and like be real with them and mm-hmm. they'll accept that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I do, I love that about it, but it's definitely a diff- different than the way that I was first managed or yeah about that boss employee relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the things I'd love to have your opinion on too is sometimes, especially uh, like you said, we didn't advocate for ourselves, right? Like you no. just accepted what it was and you were just like, thank God I have a job. Everyone's like, just be grateful you have a job. And you're like, okay, I'm grateful that I have a job and I got paid. But I think for, and I think the first time this happened to me, it made me feel like they weren't a team player. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm like, do you not see all what's going on and how everyone's pulling their own weight? And part of that is maybe you're not making, you know, the $70,000 salary that you want because we have XYZ going on or whatever. How would you kind of encourage employers to kind of change that mindset that they have? Because I think it does come across as for a lot of people that, oh, you're just not a team player. Like you're just out of, out for yourself. Yeah. And I think, again, we got to go back to what's the culture they're in. Mm-hmm. And the social media influencer is not a team. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. party of one. Yeah. You know, it's a company of one. And it's in some ways the ideal of like, I don't have to work. I can do what I want for fun and get paid for it. But that's, you know... I guess when we were growing up, it was like, oh, I'll be a musician or an athlete or, you know, somebody who gets paid all this money to do what they love, which we all know, like, there's very few people who get to do that. <laughs> right. And I think the the challenge that we have is, you know, I have a staff member who had a post that went crazy on TikTok and they earned a significant amount of money from one post. And so it feels almost tangible mm. to be able to do something and to be in control of your own fate. Mm-hmm. To be in control mm-hmm. of what you're, what you're making, what you're putting out there, and that's what I think all the different social media platforms give us to some degree an illusion of like we're in control of what we're putting out there. We're in control of our lives. Where f- to be a part of a team, it, it. I mean, we spend for our leadership staff two weeks in training with them for our summer counselors a whole week where we get them, you know, for six days, and it's an intensive in you know. This is what it means to work and be a part of this team. And it takes the first three weeks of kids actually being at camp for some of them to get like, okay, this is what it means to be a team player. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, be on my own little island. And so for Gen Z, I would say, you know, for other employers who are trying to navigate this, who don't get the luxury of having them like residential Mm -hmm. on site, eating and living and getting to know them, it really is like recognizing there is a a feeling of if I don't take care of myself, no one will Mm. because that's, I mean, that is some of the narrative of, you know, big companies are bad. Mm. I don't know that that's always a hundred percent true, but there's also a lot of stuff in the news that like they're seeing and they're paying attention to that doesn't give them the sense that a large corporation is out for my best interests. So to be, and we mentioned transparency I think that is one of the keys is helping this generation see this is where we got, how we got to this decision. You no, know, were you a part of every part of that decision? No. But the reasoning behind it, the why behind why we came to this decision and as much transparency as can be done, I think helps them. As a leader, I've also like, I think this is really important. I've made a 
fair number of mistakes mm -hmm. over the last few years of being in an executive role. And again, this generation is not afraid to call you out on when you've made a mistake. But being able to get up in front of a group of younger people who are quote unquote lower in the hierarchy um, and say, I messed up and here's my commitment to what I'm going to do mm -hmm. to change that. Mm-hmm will go a long way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I don't have that much experience outside of that based on what I read and what I hear. I don't think that's a really typical thing for right. like corporate yeah. America to have leaders who stand up and say, I really messed up. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm going to do better. True accountability mm -hmm. for that, um, mm -hmm. I think is something that this generation is craving because it's very easy to see people doing the wrong thing and not suffering any consequences. Mm. And when you're young and you're not making a lot of money, when you are worried about paying the rent or how am I going to be able to do this or, man, I'd really love to do this fun thing with my friends, but I've got to hold off on it. I think it's hard to see people, when you're so driven by your values, people who seem to be driven by nothing like values yeah. or values that are in complete opposition, I think knowing that they've got a leader whose values align with theirs, not mm -hmm. that are exactly the same, and who's committed to growing and getting better and challenging themselves is always going to be somebody that they'd rather work for. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope that's true for me. I don't know that uh, 100%, but I think it's it's definitely we've been able to weather storms that if I had just dug in my heels in and said, I'm the leader, it doesn't matter if I've made a mistake. Um, or I'm the leader, this is the decision, I don't care what you have mm -hmm. to say, we wouldn't be able to, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we would probably not be able to run camp anymore because mm -hmm. yeah. I don't, I, they won't stay around. And yeah. that's the other thing is they have options. They have a lot of options. And um, I think that's something as employers that we need to really get comfortable yeah. with is it's not as much of like, they don't need us as much as we need them mm -hmm. and we need to change our habits and our behaviors mm -hmm to align with that. Which I think yeah. brings up like one of the things that I, we, we've seen as college professors. And I think that you're so accurate that they will go all out for what they value. But then I feel like there is a lack of work ethic surrounding things that they don't care, that about. They don't care about, that they may not value, right or wrong. Like mm -hmm. they may just not know. They may not have the information as to why they should value it. They just don't take it seriously. And I feel like in our generation, again, the geriatric millennial, <laughs> that it was very much like, that didn't matter. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Get through it. It's going to be better on the other end, you know? And well, it was like that. We, we, we were told a lie as yeah. kids. We were told a lie that if you worked hard mm -hmm. and you did all the right things, that you would be successful. And it's just not the truth. It's not. It's it's not the truth to a certain degree. Right. However, I can certainly say that Dana and I are where we are because we worked hard no, through no. some things that necessarily weren't fun, pleasant, and that we didn't want right. to do, but we were able to just kind of like gutturally sure. like say, all right, I'm gonna I know it's gonna be better on the end, so I'm gonna put myself through this because I can see that it's gonna be better on the end. And there's like two things that I feel is one, I don't think that we've shown them a world that's better at the end. Right. right? So I think there's that that's like, well, that was a big lie. This isn't better. But then also, as much as I sometimes do want to tell my employees, you know, 
suck it up. That's the way that it is. Like we just have got to get through this moment or through this time or whatever and help navigate them through that. I also kind of admire their ability to say, no, I'm not going to do that because like I don't believe in it and I know that there's another way, another mm-hmm. workaround. But it also makes me nervous for the future. You know what I mean? It's like in a both and kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So like just opinion, your thoughts on that. Because I think you're right in the middle of that. I no, mean, I have a teen, yeah. one teenager. You deal with lots of teenagers, right. and I feel this deeply about yeah. him. So I'll use last summer as an example. You know, we, in 2020, we didn't have our traditional overnight camp mm-hmm. because we didn't know enough about COVID to feel like we could safely do it. We did our day camp. We did um, family camps on the That's weekends. Yeah. All wonderful for those who got to be able to be there. In mm-hmm. 2021, we had this like blissful summer where we were testing to make sure everybody mm-hmm. coming in was good. We had zero COVID all summer long. You had the flu. That was 2021. Yeah, you jumped ahead. Yes. <laughs> um, 2022, completely different. Uh-huh. Um, COVID changed enough that testing wasn't enough. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the first part of the summer was people weren't sick, but they were testing positive for COVID. And Mm -hmm. that was knocking staff out for five days. And, you know, so that led to a lot of like, suck it up. You Mm got to do more because we don't have anybody else to bring in. And then you mentioned the flu. Um, You know, we were all caught off guard by uh, a summer flu Mm -hmm. that, you know, there was one week where it knocked out a significant number of our staff. And it was really trying on everybody. Was this week in July, per chance? Um, there were two different weeks last <laughs> summer um, that I'm sure your listeners are, um, if they know camp, they're probably familiar with that. But it was a surprise to everybody yeah. in the community. And, um, you know, it was hard to say, because I think the other thing about this generation is they're very focused on, I've got to care for myself before I can care for others. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to do that. And, you know, to them basically in a really tough spot to say we've got kids to serve your fellow staff members to support and I'm, there isn't time for you to care for yourself there wasn't time for me to care for myself either mm-hmm. but I'm the leader mm-hmm. so it's, it's different um, and you know want to make sure that they are, the power dynamics are still there yeah. and they, they want to understand they want to see a leader who's willing to give up as much as they are giving mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And so yep. if you as the leader, if I as the leader are are coasting while they're working hard, that's going to – they would have left in droves. Like right, I right. Would, we would have been in trouble. And I think that's true for most organizations. Mm-hmm. I think they need – again, it comes back to this, like I think a misconception that they're very self-centered. I think they're very – aware that Mm -hmm. the only way to do good is from a place of strength. And the only way for me to have strength is to care for myself well, where I think I was coached. I won't say taught because I don't think anybody taught me this, but I was coached and I learned by example that you just sort of grind until Mm -hmm. you're done. Yep. And then you fall apart. (laughs) You pick yourself back up and put yourself together and then keep going where Mm -hmm. this generation is, they're not going to push themselves to the point where they fall apart because I think they're dealing with a lot more hard stuff than Mm -hmm. I had to deal with. You know, I think about like, I was in high school when the Columbine shooting Mm -hmm. happened and I was a senior in high school when 9-11 happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And those are the two kind of like formative moments. And I look at what this generation has had to endure, and it's completely different. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more frequent in some ways. 
in a lot of ways, it's more frequent. The pandemic, I think, has changed everything in ways that we won't understand for another mm -hmm. 20, 30 years. And they won't understand until it's in textbooks. Right. <laughs> in your um, next psychology class. Exactly. Um, but I think, like, that's also the – they didn't grow up with the same thing that we grew up with mm -hmm. or what somebody who is from Gen X or a, a baby boomer, you mm -hmm. know, they don't – to try and equate what you went through from those earlier generations to them, it doesn't work. Um, and it's – a lot of that is technology-driven. And so it's not so self-centered as it is – like self-preserving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's a recognition of all of these things that have been happening are not actually healthy mm -hmm. <laughs> and aren't going to serve me towards what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so how do I, I need to challenge that. And mm -hmm. again, it goes back to advocating for themselves. They're willing to challenge the status quo because they recognize that the status quo has created challenges in mm -hmm. a lot of places. And so are created problems in a lot of places. And so they're not going to just sit still and be quiet and be like, okay, when I get to a position of power, I'll change it. Mm -hmm. They're saying, I'm changing it now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to advocate for change now because there's no guarantee that I get to be in charge someday. And so the, I think they view power and authority and influence completely differently mm -hmm. than I know I did when I was younger. Yeah. It's almost like they're creating their own light at the end of the tunnel. Like you were always told there was a brighter future, a better future, and you were working towards this. And it's like, they're like, I don't actually, I'm just going to create it right now. Like, I want to be a part of the solution now and and experience mm -hmm. experience that now, which I don't know if that's, I mean, I think it's amazing. I think it helps on so many levels. Um, but it, it kind of makes me not sad, but like, is it just because they feel like life is so fleeting? Because they've been taught life is so fleeting. Like, I never questioned my mortality and we're the same age because I was a senior in high school when 9-11 happened and freshman when Columbine happened. And, like, I never questioned my mortality. I never thought I'm not going to make it to 30 or 40 or whatever. And yeah, well, those are literal conversations that you have with your student. Yeah. yeah. Like this, your kid. This is what happens. This happens in your school. This is what you need to yeah. do. Yeah. I've had multiple conversations with Mason about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, that's just—I mean, that's literally just crazy. Mm -hmm. Like to think about that—that's the world that we live in. But that's the pressure they're under. Yeah, like that—that that can change your brain chemistry. I mean, any psychologist will tell you that. Like the a fear of everyday living is going to change the way you view the world. Which mm -hmm. is, I think, why they're probably not willing to like put themselves through something that they don't believe in or mm -hmm. are going to have to endure because I don't think that they feel like they're guaranteed that like, you know, 89 years that we all thought we were going to get. Mm -hmm. Like I think we're shown that it's not guaranteed like every day. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I, I agree with that. And the other thing that um, this is where my English major comes out. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. metaphors. Mm -hmm. So the metaphor of there's a light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. I think, Again, that goes back to kind of what we were taught is that you'd go through this thing to get to where you want to be. And I think for them, that metaphor doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're in a tunnel. I don't think they're even on the same road. <laughs> like the images that come to my mind when I think about like the staff that I work with is they're very, they are very present to the moment. They're aware of all the different options that they have to mm -hmm. take. And so instead of, you know, like a a dark tunnel that has a light at the end of it. They're on like a backcountry road that has five <laughs> different ways that you mm -hmm. can get to the next destination. And they're just kind of taking their time and figuring out where, which is not to say that they're lazy. I think that mm. that's also a danger of that metaphor is they're not 
they're not without purpose and they are not without a work ethic. Their work ethic, I think, looks different. And mm -hmm. so, uh, again, I think technology comes into this. And somebody recently helped me see this uh, because communication with this generation is really challenging. Um, it can be really hard to get them to respond. And this is the one negative thing I'll talk about because it has a positive at the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they, it can be very challenging. So when we're trying to hire staff for a weekend or to get people to commit to a week, working a weekend, it can take us multiple tries to get through to one person who ultimately is like, yeah, I'd love to work. <laughs> and somebody, and I wish I could remember who, um, where I got this from because it's not mine, but the text app on their phone is just another app where for me it's like my phone does a couple things. It's for calls, it's for texts, and then it's for all the other things that I need the internet for. Mm -hmm. Where for this generation, every app serves its own purpose. Calls are just another app. It's not like the phone, you know, mm -hmm. we grew up with phones that all they did was call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's not true for them. And so, you know, helping me see the reason I can get somebody better through Instagram direct message is because it's just another app on their phone. It's mm -hmm. just another way of communicating with them. It's the one they happen to see at that moment. Hmm. And so there's five different ways I can get in touch with my staff. And unfortunately, you know, for somebody who's trying to communicate to a hundred people, each one is slightly different and each one may respond differently. And the other thing is interesting is there's a, I think a, a, myth right now that this generation hates phone calls, which is actually sometimes the only way I can get in touch with my staff. They're not looking at their apps because they're overwhelmed by, mm -hmm. or they've turned off all the notifications because it's so much. Yeah. But calling them, one is, it's not a notification. It actually like interrupts everything that's happening on the phone. Mm -hmm. And two is valuing them in a different way. Like saying, I value you enough that I need to hear your voice. I need to talk to you mm. right this moment. And that's hard because I've gotten really used to not having to do that mm -hmm. um, to where phone calls feel a little more annoying. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. that's a particular thing for millennials as well. Yeah. Um, introverted millennials probably mm -hmm. even more so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But recognizing that their failure, quote unquote, to communicate is not really on them as much as it is, again, the environment mm. that they're mm -hmm. living in. Yeah. The context that they're living in is that they've got a hundred different notifications and if it's a school project or their fraternity or sorority or their service group or their friend group or their family group, all of these things are pinging them every day, multiple you know, hundreds if not thousands of times. And so we're where when I was growing up, there wasn't that noise. Mm -hmm. And so I could respond and I did respond. I think the other flip side of that is that we get the opportunity to teach them how to live in a professional world yeah. where like mm -hmm. responding to an email within 24 hours is a good idea. Mm -hmm. So most of the time it's an expectation of your employer that you do that. Right. And how you respond matters. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, at camp we're oftentimes people's first employer. So we have the privilege of teaching mm -hmm. them in that. I don't, can't say that we're always the, the best at teaching about formal emails. Yeah, <laughs> that's not our goal um, <laughs> at camp. But you know, helping them understand what's coming next, I think is is a privilege that we have. But yeah, it, communication and helping them understand, or helping us understand, how are we getting through to them when 
they want to be a part of what we're doing, but we have to find a new way right. of communicating. Yeah. That's super interesting. It is. I remember, I mean, especially the phone call part. But yeah. it, makes, it makes total sense. Yeah. Because I get overwhelmed by the very few apps that I have. And mm-hmm. I don't have notifications set on anything but my uh, text. text yeah. It's the only thing that notifies me because I can't. It would, drive me, it would drive me crazy, all the pinging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear what has been the most rewarding part yeah. of your job. Besides fulfilling a child pipe dream. I know. I guess I'll share um, something that happened this morning. I was uh, down the road at the Y on Hillsborough Street, the Alexander Family Y. And one of the staff members that I've gotten the chance to work with over the last four years or so at the end of this summer, I got a full-time job working for that Y. And I was working out of there and saying hey to people and um, was talking to her and she was uh, going into a hard conversation uh, with someone and was really freaked out about it. She didn't know I was going to be there. I didn't know she was going to be there. But I think being able to be with a young professional who is absolutely in this generation, who I've all of the things we've talked about, like, that's her, like mm-hmm. passion, hard work, advocacy, not what you would what we would call like typical or what we would have expected, mm-hmm. but you know all of the all of the good things about Gen Z embodied in her, and you know she's navigating a challenging situation that is new, first time she's ever had to go through it, and has uh, people to help her and support her, but being able to be there. And somebody that within like two seconds of me saying, hey, how are you? To say, this is about to happen. I'm really scared. Mm -hmm. Like that level of like vulnerability Mm -hmm. and connection with this generation. Like that's what you talked earlier about. Like you can talk to them. You can be real with them. That is the most rewarding thing to be, have the privilege of being in their lives in a way that you're not a boss. Mm -hmm. Um. In the way you're not that just I think, a boss. you're not just a boss, yeah. and you're not a boss in the way that we would have thought about it, or the, I know the way that I thought about it as somebody who needed to be kept at a distance mm-hmm. because that was their position or you know something right. like that. But to really be like human to human, a connection, um, and I think that you know at the why we talk about it as that's leadership. Mm. It's not about your position or the the role that you play in the organization, but everybody can be a leader at some point. And so getting to be a leader and to be led by them, I think is the greatest yeah. thing that I've gotten out of it is to just see that these kids that have grown up at camp who have been changed by the positive experiences that they've had are now willing to say yes to hard things, mm-hmm. um, to put themselves in challenging situations and grow and to continue to get to watch that. Mm-hmm. And that's one story, but I could walk through, you know, 200 more yeah. of, you know, young people who grew a lot in one summer or two summers or more, um, sometimes even less. Mm-hmm. And you stay, you get to be in touch with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that is the nature of camp, but I think that's another thing that organizations can learn from is the relationships with your employees. If they're disposable, then that's how you'll treat them. They'll mm-hmm. be gone and you won't you know, mm-hmm. keep up with them or um, value them for the contributions they're making beyond that. Mm-hmm. But if they're contributors to what your organization has been about and you can stay with them, 
and keep them engaged, then whether they ever come back or not really isn't the point. It's right. it's the engagement that you've got with them and the difference that they're going to make long term mm-hmm. that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love it. I know. Yeah, so good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for it's having been me. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate it. We'll, I know. we'll see you this summer. Yeah. I know. Sounds <laughs> see good. See you at camp. <laughs> yep. Yeah. See you at camp. We will be there. All right. With bells on. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about team building. Learn more about Camp Canada. You can visit campcanada.org or follow at Camp Canada on Instagram. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, at Anthem.house, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather. <laughs>